Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's a magical two-show Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this September 7th official episode of Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hope you guys enjoyed the mock draft from earlier this morning. This is the show where we will be digging now into a bit more of the third round stuff in terms of Yahoo ADP more than anything else. Uh, Quickly here at the front end of the show, the Sports Ethos NBA Draft Guide is officially available now on the Sports Ethos website and via the Sports Ethos Twitter feed. It's at EthosFantasyBK. You can see some tweets went out starting last night, and they'll be going uh, regularly between last night and the start of the NBA season. It is already awesome. We sent an email out about it overnight, actually, as well. And it's just going to have more and more stuff packed into it. Over the next couple of weeks, you'll get the projections. Those are straight from Brewski. Uh, player tiers, you'll have player profiles, team previews, schedule grids, uh, quality games grids, streaming grids. You'll have points league scores. You'll have, of course, the Brewski 150 will be in there. That and so, so much more rookie profiles, second-year guys, third-year breakouts, sleepers, busts, the whole thing. At the end of it all, it should be more than 150 pieces of content. Yeah, you heard that right, 150-plus pieces of content in the NBA Sports Ethos Fantasy Draft Guide for this coming 2023 NBA season. Make sure to go check that out, and the price on the all-sport Fantasy Pass is going up now. Legitimately, we're just waiting on tech to change the price. So it could be by the time this show is done. I don't know. Uh, $7 a month until they switch it. NBA only is $6 a month for the uh, premium subscriptions. That's where you can get all this good stuff. Go get those right now. Stop screwing around and waiting. The money you save by getting it in advance, you can put into extra months of it if you want at the back end of this coming NBA campaign. So the way that we got to where we got to today, which is basically, and, you know, I threw Wembenyama's name on this show and on the graphic because I figured that would draw the most eyeballs. Yes, I'll admit, I am gaming the system, but it's my hope that at this time of year, it's a time where we can kind of reach out and find new listeners, new viewers on YouTube, new subscribers, however all of that stuff comes together. But in terms of how we got to this particular spot, I don't know why I slipped into a Brooklyn accent for couple of seconds there uh we've gone through basically the top 28 players on yahoo's adp board which took us through three players that are pretty much in a deadlock at 26 27 28 and that's Kawhi leonard jimmy butler and carl anthony towns they were part of a group of players that goes along with lebron james and larry markinen the next group which a few shows back I mentioned, it's hard to really isolate where groups begin and end after that because there is a lot of sort of like players diving seven slots earlier or 10 slots later or whatever it is. But a few names do stand out. We're kind of mid-second round now by pick 29. 30-31 would be the official midpoint of 
the third round. And the players that fall in this group are Pascal Siakam, who, uh, for folks that are watching this show with the visual aids on YouTube, you could see his name a moment ago. Uh, He's in there with Paul George at basically an ADP of 30. And right behind them is Victor Wembanyama. So those three guys are kind of the next mini group. But I believe that even though there's what appears to be a 2.3 size ADP band between Victor Wembanyama and DeJounte Murray and the next group, however you want to call it, I don't think that this, this band means as much. I know that that's... So my definition of the, these ADP bands is a bit arbitrary to begin with. And the fact that this one is uh, 2.3 wide, where the you know the Trey Young to Lowry Markinen band is 2.4 wide, and the Devin Booker to Donovan Mitchell one is 2.2 wide, and the uh, Shea to Dame band is 2.9. They're all very close to one another in overall band size. So why, Dan, and this is a very reasonable question, to say why, Dan, do you believe that this one, this, uh, and I admit that I've basically at this point lost track of um, what bucket or group we're actually in right now, why is this one, between Victor Wembanyama and DeJounte Murray, a sort of low-meaning band for you where... The earlier ones, you felt like there was an obvious gap in how guys were getting drafted. And I'll tell you, it's just from watching drafts at this point. There's a huge band between Bam Adebayo and Drew Holiday. 3.9 is the gap between those guys, who I guess fall, if we want to count this out, 31, 32, 33, 4, 5. That's 36 and 37 on the board. That one we probably can't ignore quite as much. I mean, a gap of four is absurd anywhere when you line these players up. And that might actually be the single biggest gap between any two ADPs neighboring ADPs on the Yahoo draft board. But this this Victor to DeJounte one of 2.3, I, I mean, we've seen Jalen Brunson go ahead of these guys. We've seen Paul George fall all the way back to basically where Bam was going in that 36 zone. Uh, We've seen Vooch actually fall back into the early 40s sometimes because other guys jump forward. By and large, though, there isn't an obvious, okay, well, you know, Cat and LeBron are off the board now, so it's pick 29. I have to pick exclusively either Paul George, Victor Wembanyama, uh, or Pascal Siakam. That just hasn't borne itself out in any of the mock drafts that I've watched. Those three guys... I'd say quite rarely go in the same little group. Maybe Siakam and Wembenyama are going pretty close to each other, but Paul George is all over the map because people don't trust his health, and rightfully so. He hasn't been healthy since he got to the Clippers, effectively. And then you've got guys like DeJounte Murray, who, you know, per game, they'll probably be mid-30s, but they were quite healthy last year, and by totals, he smoked Paul George. Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't close. And then you've got Jalen Brunson, whose ADP is 33, and you're seeing him go in that range. I don't completely understand why. Miles Turner does seem to largely be going behind those guys. So 
All that to say, this area is a little bit more murky. But what I wanted to do on today's show, and I know it's taking us kind of a long time to get into the actual goal of what we're doing with this next group, because the, the previous ones, I thought it was pretty easy to say, well, would I take this guy with the first pick of this next chunk? So like Devin Booker was the end of the 8 through 16 chunk. Would I take James Harden? with the first pick of uh, the, you know, that 17 to whatever the next one was, yes or no? Would I take Damanis Sabonis, Desmond Bain, etc.? And we've been doing that the whole way through. We can do that in this, in this area. You know, would I take Pascal Siakam with pick 29? Would I take Victor Wembanyama with pick 29? Uh, would I take Paul George with pick 29? And that's all well and good. But I think we're at a point now where we don't necessarily need to separate. Mm, how do I want to phrase this? To separate the overall third round from the individual players within it. Up to this point, we've done these, you know, three or four player at a time situational handicaps. And then at the end of that, we've come back together and said, well, how would we actually stack these players up? But perhaps because this group runs from pick 29 all the way to pick 36, if we want to call it that, or do we even want to extend it longer and just say it's like 29 to infinity? Not entirely true, but you catch my meaning. Is there a point in me saying, would I take, like, Bam Adebayo at pick 29? Yes and no. The answer for all of these guys, almost all of these guys, is yes and no. So let's just start with the players as they're listed, and let's talk about them a little bit. Pascal Siakam is currently with an ADP of 30.3, which puts him as the 29th player in line, is coming off a season in Toronto where he played 37-plus minutes per ball game somehow remained on his feet for 71 out of 82 games last year and finished as the number 43 player in nine category leagues. And I know what you're thinking. Like, Dan, was there some really obvious overarching reason that he was only number 43? And the answer is not really. It's more so that Siakam is a victim of people generally overvaluing the most obvious counting stats. We can call it Julius Randallitis. Name could use a little workshopping. Randall averaged 25 points, 10 boards, and 4 assists last year. Before Jalen Brunson was around, he was 20s and, you know, a little under 10 rebounds and 5 or 6 assists. And those are really easy numbers to quantify because they are the three largest numbers on the board. Meaning, what you need from your players to be competitive in fantasy has to be biggest in those three departments. You need points, obviously, the most, because the league average or fantasy league average was like around seven, eh, 16 and a half-ish or so last year. And rebounds, league average was around six. And assists, the fantasy league average was in the low threes, basically. And there's no other stat where you need to get anywhere near that number for it to be... Qua almost like quantifiable, basically. Threes would be the next one on the board. Uh, fantasy league average is like 1.5-ish. 
1.5 and change. But those are small numbers. Three threes doesn't sound like a ton, but it's basically double what the fantasy average is. If somebody's hitting three threes a game, they're, they're posting a very large impact on what your team is doing. Larry Markkinen, for instance, hit three threes per ball game. That is, uh, well, slightly better, I guess, because it, it does get harder and harder to, to get to those big numbers. But that's uh, the equivalent of somebody who was scoring, as far as Z scores go, and that's probably the best way to, to catalog this, Larry Markin hitting three threes per ball game was a lot like, frankly, his own scoring at about 25 points per game. That's why these players get overvalued. Because the numbers are just big. 25 points sounds like a truckload. Three threes sounds like only a very little. Points are, admittedly, harder to come by later in a draft, so maybe that's not the best point of comparison, but uh, somebody who averaged 1.4 steals per game was a lot like somebody who averaged three threes or 25 points per game. 1.4, 1.5 steals. These are small numbers. They don't sound consequential because there is that fluctuation on a given week, so you know a guy who averages 1.5 steals per game might have a four-game week, and actually get you six steals, or he might get you two one week and ten the next. People don't like to put their eggs in that bucket. People like to put their eggs in the bucket of the guy who averages 25 points per game and tends to actually get pretty close to that number. Fewer random fluctuations in scoring weeks because it's an easier thing to game plan for. Julius Randleitis does impact a handful of players in the NBA, and I just happen to think that Pascal Siakam is one of them because from the Julius Randle scale, Siakam had a pretty good year. 24 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Excellent from your power forward. 0.9 steals, 0.5 blocks. Not like not going to kill you with those numbers, but they certainly aren't helping very much. 1.33s, which again, just below league average. 48% from the field, ever so slight negative there, and 77.5% at the free throw line, also a little bit of a slight negative. A long discussion, a long prelude on this Pascal Siakam thing to say, okay, he was number 43 in 9-cat last year, and it wasn't like he was a super high turnover guy, so what exactly are people seeing in Siakam to say this is a guy that belongs getting drafted at number 29? What's the thing that pushes him forward? Is it more shots? Because he was already taking 18 and a half with that club. And yeah, Freddie Van Vliet is gone. So I, I, I guess you could argue that maybe there are a couple of shots up for grabs and maybe that's what pushes him higher on the board. But it's hard to go from 43 to 29. That's a, that's a good size one round jump. 29 last year was Devin Booker, by the way whose numbers are not all that dissimilar from Siakam's, but his percentages were way the hell better. Like, this is a pretty good leap to take. So no, by the way, is the answer to the question of, is Siakam a guy I'm targeting at 29? He's not. I don't see his path to... Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. 
You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Jumping 14 slots. But it's it's not that obvious that there's a perfect solution to this. So let's go to the next name on the board and say Paul George. Paul George has an ADP around 30. He's coming off a season where he was the number 25 ranked player in 9CAD. Some of that, by the way, was because of high turnover. So, uh, you know, I, I suppose there's a little bit of an argument there. If you're punting turnovers, Paul George does move up the board from number 25 to number 19. Either way, that does have him in front of this ADP of 30. But Paul George played 25 games last year. And as we're approaching the start of this coming season, looking at his actual games played board is terrifying. He played 77 games his last year in Oklahoma City before uh, demanding a trade out to partner up with Kawhi. Came to Los Angeles for the COVID year. Played 48 out of 72 games. 54 out of 72 games in the purposely shortened season. 31 out of 82 last year. And 56 out of 82 this season. It's been an absolute disaster. For Paul George, I would argue maybe even a bigger disaster than Kawhi Leonard, who I know missed an entire season in there. But with Kawhi, you go into it thinking, all right, well, you know, this is a guy who's just not even trying to play most of the games in a season. Paul George went from, I mean, his last four years prior to coming to Los Angeles, yes, he had that catastrophic deal back in 2014. We sort of take that out of the equation. Came back from that, played 81 games the next year. Then 75, 79, 77. He was, by all accounts, an incredibly durable basketball player. Came to Los Angeles, and the wheels just came right the heck off. I mean, again, I'll repeat those numbers. He missed one, seven, three, and five games in the four seasons before coming to L.A., and then promptly missed 24, 18, 51, and 26. That's crazy. Is there an iteration of Paul George that can make it through a full basketball season anymore? I really don't believe that there is. I don't I don't see how I I don't see how he makes it through a season and I don't see how he could ever assume that he will. 
But now Paul George becomes a little bit of a math game. Paul George is a little bit of a math game because he, like some of these other older players who tend to miss a bunch of ball games, are likely to beat their ADP on a per-game side. So then the question becomes, how many games do you even need to squeeze out of these guys to where they actually become a totals value? I've found the best way to do that is to look at other players who are in that a similar range to where you think Paul George finishes this year. So let's assume that his stats hold relatively consistent season over season, and he's somewhere between, call it 20 and 28. How many games would that guy need to play to beat an ADP of 30? Well, we can look at some of the guys that played in, let's call it, you know, low 60s games who had similar valuations. Where did they end up? Miles Turner is actually a really good example from last year. Miles Turner was number 20 or 21 in per game value, depending on where you were looking, missed 20 ball games, and finished by totals at number 35. Don't worry about where Miles Turner is, Miles Turner is going this year. This is basically saying, what if you put, took Paul George at pick 30? And he was the number 20 per game guy, which is a possibility for PG. I think maybe he's a little bit behind that, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt for this discussion. And only missed 20 ball games. He does not, in that instance, likely, does not get to his ADP of 30. He gets somewhat close, and you could call it sort of a wash, because 30 to 35 is sort of like a, a pretty big meh in terms of is that a hit, a miss, or whatever. But that's the math you need to be thinking. Paul George probably needs to play in about 64 ball games at that per game clip to be a top 30 totals player. Anything over that is gravy. Anything under that, you missed. You can look at other examples from seasons past. Uh, not this most recent year, but the previous one. Donovan Mitchell played in 67 games as the number 25 guy. Luka Doncic played in 65 games as the number 28 guy. Rudy Gobert played in 66 games as the number 22 guy. That's on a per-game basis. Where did they end up? Donovan Mitchell, actually basically right where he was, because uh, 67, 68 was kind of the number for that year. Gobert dropped only one slot to number 23, uh, and Luka was number 28 in 65 games at that range. So that's probably a good way to confirm the number you're looking for. If you want to play the, yeah, I mean, okay, like you could really dig into the numbers and fuzzy math and not fuzzy math it, but my goal here is to make things simple. And this is a simple way to figure out in quick math, how many games do I need to get out of Paul George? Roughly, where if he's around number 25 per game, how does he beat number 30 by totals? And the answer is basically 64 ballgames. Do I think Paul George hits 64 games this year? I actually don't. We don't know for sure. We can't know until it all happens. Um, but this gives us a nice round way to organize our thoughts, where now you're thinking, okay, well, if he plays in 62 games, where does he get? What did we just learn from Miles Turner? 35? Miles Turner was number 35 
last year in 62 games. What if he only gets to 60 games? Does that drop him down closer to 40? Probably. How much are you willing to give away in GamesCap Roto if he only plays in 58 ball games? Is the upside worth it? Head-to-head? Probably not. I think I feel like that's a much easier answer on the head-to-head side. You just, like, you need him to get into 64 ball games, or you've blown your third-round pick. Roto, the math question does creep in a little bit more. But then, again, you ask yourself, if I'm not doing this, what am I doing here? Let's talk about the next guy, and we'll probably put a pin in things after we talk Victor Wembanyama. We'll do maybe three guys today, and then we'll get into kind of that next grouping tomorrow. Victor's ADP is currently number 31. Technically, it's 30.6, but he's the 31st player going. And he's also, one would assume, a player whose ADP can jump around a lot because there is a ton of unknown about him. We don't really know, at the end of the day, what Victor's going to do in the NBA. You can make reasonable predictions based on uh, what he did in uh, his time pre-NBA. But it only... That's a starting point. That's a starting point and that's all it is. We've... I'm trying to think back. So back during draft season, we talked to David Williams on the pod. We talked to Rhett Bauer. And I'm being a total jerk, and I'm forgetting one of our guests. Oof, bad move, Dan. But they all basically had the same consensus, which is like, look, if you look at Victor's numbers, he profiles an awful lot like an early career Kristaps Porzingis. His shot selection is, or was, a little bit goofy. Um, he only played in two summer league games, so I don't think you can take a whole lot out of that. Um, the uh, Playing with in the various French leagues, the elite pro A, I think is... I'll probably get the name wrong on that one. Uh, he did log a bunch of games there. I think he played in 44 or something like that. Overall, like, good numbers... 20 and a half points per game. Um, I think he was around 10 boards, two and a half assists, blocked three shots. So, like, obviously the fantasy profile is insane. I don't know that we need to go into too much depth on that. And it's why in Dynasty drafts, he's just beyond the number one overall pick. But there are areas to look at to say, okay, well, how do the Spurs clean this up? Will he be getting to the foul line enough for that to be a positive impact? Will he be able to rebound enough in the NBA as more of a slender dude? Is he going to be able to score as much? His two-point field goal percent was pretty good, but he's going to be near the rim. His three-point shooting field goal percent was not very, very good. You'll see some blocks... I don't think you'll see that many steals at the NBA level, and you'll see likely a fair amount of rest. Here's the thing. 
I'm not even sure that rostering Victor Wembanyama is going to be fun. This is, to me, what it almost all comes down to, because there's this glowing unknown with him where, I mean, yes, if like if you translated straight over his French numbers to the NBA of 20 and 10 with three blocks, he's a behemoth. He's a juggernaut. Like, you know, JJJ had his three blocks a game this year and didn't have to do a whole lot else, and he was number 12. His Wembenyama's French League numbers in the NBA makes him a mid-first rounder. But likely that's not going to be a perfect translation from one to one. Here's why I don't think it's going to be fun to, to roster Wembenyama this year. I think because of the limiters they're likely to put on him, you're going to get these games maybe even right out of the shoot where he busts onto the scene and teams don't really know how to game plan for him. And he's going nutso. Like, I, I, I could see a very reasonable universe where Wembenyama comes out of the gate, puts up huge numbers for, like, the first month and a half, starts to run out of gas, league starts to adjust to him, and maybe the move is to try to flip him for somebody at that point. But if that's your, if that's your move from the outset, you're probably not going to get somebody much better than an early third-round pick when you send him out anyway. Like, if he comes out and he's a first-rounder for the first three weeks, I don't think you're going to get a first-rounder back. Maybe you could squeeze out, like, a late second, but in all likelihood, it won't be enough data points for you to go and get someone that was drafted higher than them, unless he puts up good numbers for, like, two and a half, three straight months. Then people start to believe this is a thing that's going to last all season long. I personally don't think it'll last all season. So your move there is, if you draft Victor, assume you're going to get some pretty big numbers before fatigue and adjustments kick in. Assume there are going to be rest days, which is going to be very frustrating throughout the season and especially later on in the year when you're likely hoping to rely on him for some kind of head-to-head playoff run. And assume that there are also going to be some really weird field goal percent and high turnover days because... He's going to be a guy that's getting asked to do a lot during his rookie season. And the Spurs don't really have a massive impetus to go and try to win a ton of games this year. This is sort of like year two of the rebuild. You can go and add more blocks on that powerhouse young core there and still have Victor. To me, it's not like with the Thunder, you've sort of made a commitment to Shea and said, look, we got to get good soon or this guy's going to want out of here. There's just like a ticking clock. With Wambanyama, he still hasn't played an NBA game. There's no clock on the Spurs rebuild yet. So would I take any of the three players that we talked about on today's show at pick number 29? Probably not. Wambanyama comes with all these strings and all these caveats and all these ideas of what you can do with him as the season goes on. Paul George has the massive injury stuff hanging over his head. Pascal Siakam, by the way, is a threat to be traded at some point this year. And where he goes, he probably will have a smaller role than where what he gets in Toronto to start the season. But even then, you're drafting him if you take him at, at 29, 14 slots of where he finished last year. At least with Paul George, you'd be drafting him behind his per-game number. So the short version is that I probably go to the next small group of guys 
on this list. DeJounte Murray, Miles Turner, Nikola Vucevic. I don't know that I'd go Bam Adebayo. I don't know that... I, I feel like his days of having 20-something per game production are likely numbered. But these other guys could. Vooch was in the 20s last year. Miles was 20 on the dot last season. And you've got Vooch, who's played in basically every ball game for a couple of years in a row. You've got Turner, who now is finally playing for an indie team that's probably going to be pushing for something this coming year in a way where these other guys perhaps know. How many games do we want to get out of these guys? Well, that's the beauty part of it. If you take someone who's ADP, if their per game is ahead of their ADP, you don't need as many games to hit their totals rank. You know, you only probably need, geez, with Miles Turner, if he's going at 29 or beyond, you probably only need about 65 ball games out of him to get there. With Vooch, you'll, I mean, he's been way over that. With Victor, where you have all this stuff baked in, you probably need more than 65. 68 league average might get it done. I think I'd be surprised if almost anyone on the Spurs got to 68 games this coming year. There's just no reason to push all the way up into the high 60s. Mid feels reasonable. And then if there's any injury on top of that, then the whole thing goes to pot. DeJounte Murray is a little bit of a reach there just because of the per-game stuff where he's likely not going to get inside the top 30 this coming season. Uh, but again, he's another guy that, that sort of stays upright. And then a little of what you do here can be built on what you did in the first two rounds if you took durable guys, if you have any guys that you had to take chances on, and so on and so forth. But look, we'll get into that next group of players on tomorrow's show. Uh, DeJounte, Jalen Brunson, Miles Turner, maybe Vooch, try to knock out four of them all at once. Get into it a little bit faster at the front end. For now... This is a two-show Thursday, so we're not going to go too long on this one. Thanks for watching or listening, everybody. If you have a moment, please do drop a five-star on the pod, like, and subscribe to our YouTube page, and give me a follow over on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Until tomorrow, everybody. So long for now. My voice needs a rest. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.